Section 31 of Yiddish Tales. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Yiddish Tales translated by Helena Frank and read by Adrian Pretzelis. Section 31. Yortzeit for Mother by S. Libin. The Ginsberg's first child died of inflammation of the lungs when it was two years and three months old. The young couple were in the depths of grief and despair. They even thought seriously of committing suicide. But people do not do everything they think of doing. Neither Ginsberg nor his wife had the courage to throw themselves into the cold and grisly arms of death. They only despaired till, some time after, a new-born child bound them once more to life. It was a little girl, and they named her Devora, after Ginsberg's dead mother. The Ginsbergs were free thinkers in the full sense of the word, and their naming the child after the dead had no superstitious significance whatsoever. It came about quite simply. Dibinu, Ginsberg had asked his wife, how shall we call our daughter? I don't know, replied the young mother. No more do I," said Ginsberg. "Let us call her Devorala," suggested Dobe, automatically gazing at her pretty baby, and very little concerned about its name. Had Ginsberg any objection to make? None at all, and the child's name was Devorala henceforward. When the first child had lived to be a year old, the parents had made a feast day and invited guests to celebrate their first-born's first birthday with them. With the second child it was not so. The Ginsbergs loved their Devorala, loved her painfully, infinitely. But when it came to the anniversary of her birth they made no rejoicings. I do not think I shall be going too far if I say they did not dare to do so. Devorala was an uncommon child, a bright, girly, sweet-tempered, pretty and clever, the light of the house, shining into its every corner. She could be a whole world of delight to her parents, this wee Devorala. But it was not the delight nor the happiness they had known with their first child, not the same. That had been so free, so careless. Now it was different. Terrible pictures of death, of a child's death, would rise up in the midst of their joy, and their gladness suddenly ended in a heavy sigh. They would be at the height of enchantment, kissing and hugging the child, and laughing aloud. They would be singing to it and romping about with it. Everything else would be forgotten. Then, without wishing to do so, they would suddenly remember that, not so long ago, it was another child, also a girl, that went off into just the same silvery little bursts of laughter. And now, where is it? Dead. And, oh, it goes through the heart. The parents turn pale in the midst of their merry-making, the mother's eyes fill with tears, and the father's head droops. Who knows? sighs Dober, 
looking at their little laughing devourer. Who knows? Ginsburg understands the meaning of her question, and is silent, because he is afraid to say anything in reply. It seems to me that parents who have buried their firstborn can never be really happy again. So Devorah's first birthday was allowed to pass, as it were, unnoticed. When it came to her second it was nearly the same thing, only Dober said, Ginsburg, when our daughter is three years old, we will have great rejoicings. They waited for the day with trembling hearts. Their child's third year was full of terror for them, because their eldest-born had died in her third year, and they felt as though it must be the most dangerous one for their second child. A dreadful conviction began to haunt them both, only they were afraid to confess it one to the other. This conviction, this fixed idea of theirs, was that when Devorola reached the age of their eldest child when it died, death would once more call their household to mind. Devorola grew to be two years and eight months old. Oh, it was a terrible time! And the child fell ill with inflammation of the lungs, just like the other one. Oh, pictures that arose and stood before the parents! Oh, terror! Oh, calamity! They were free thinkers, the Ginsburgs, and if any one had told them that they were not free from what they called superstition, that the belief in a higher power beyond our understanding still had root in their being, if you had spoken thus to Ginsburg or his wife, they would have laughed at you, both of them, out of the depths of a full heart and with laughter more serious than many another's words. But what happened now is wonderful to tell. Dober, sitting by the sick child's cot, began to speak gravely, as in a dream. Who knows, who knows, perhaps, perhaps— She did not conclude. Perhaps what? asked Ginsburg impatiently. Why should it come like this? Dober went on. The same child, the same time, the same sickness. A simple blind coincidence of circumstances, replied her husband. But so exactly one like the other, as if somebody had made it happen on purpose. Ginsburg understood his wife's meaning, and answered short and sharp. Dober! Don't talk nonsense!" Meanwhile Devorola's illness developed, and the day came on which the doctor said that a crisis would occur within twenty-four hours. What this meant to the Ginsburgs would be difficult to describe, but each of them determined privately not to survive the loss of their second child. They sat beside it, not lifting their eyes from its face. They were pale and dazed with grief and sleepless nights. Their hearts half dead within them, they shed no tears. They were so much more dead than alive themselves, and the child's flame of life flickered and dwindled, flickered and dwindled. 
a tangle of memories were stirring in Ginsburg's head, all relating to deaths and graves. He lived through the death of their first child with all the details, his father's death, his mother's, early in a summer morning, that was, that was, he recalls it, as though it were to-day. What is to-day? he wonders. What day of the month is it? And then he remembers it is the first of May. The same day, he murmurs, as if he were talking in his sleep. What the same day? asks Dober. Nothing, says Ginsburg. Oh, I was thinking of something. He went on thinking and fell into a doze where he sat. He saw his mother enter the room with a soft step, take a chair, and sit down by the sick child. Mother, save it, he begs her. His heart is full to bursting, and he begins to cry. Israelik, says his mother, I have brought a remedy for the child that bears my name. Mama! He is about to throw himself upon her neck and kiss her, but she motions him lightly aside. Why did you never light a candle for my yard site? she inquires, and looks at him reproachfully. Mama! Have pity on us! Save the child! The child will live. Only you must light me a candle. Mama! He sobs louder. Have pity! Light my candle! Make haste! Make haste! Ginsburg! A shriek from his wife, and he awoke with a start. Ginsburg! The child is dying! Fly for the doctor. Ginsburg cast a look at the child. A chill went through him. He ran to the door. The doctor came in person. Our child is dying. Help save it, wailed the unhappy mother. And he, Ginsburg, stood and shivered as with cold. The doctor scrutinized the child and said, The crisis is coming on. There was something dreadful in the quiet of his tone. What can be done? And the Ginsburgs wrung their hands. Hush! Nothing! Bring some hot water bottles, bottles of hot water, champagne! Where is the medicine? Quick! commanded the doctor. Everything was to hand and ready in an instant. The doctor began to busy himself with the child. The parents stood by, pale as death. "'Well?' asked Dober. "'What?' "'We shall soon know,' said the doctor. Ginsburg looked round, glided like a shadow into a corner of the room, and lit the little lamp that stood there. "'What is that for?' asked Dober, in a fright. "'Nothing. Yachtsight. My mother's,' he answered in a strange voice and his hands never ceased trembling. "'Your child will live,' said the doctor, and father and mother fell upon the child's bed with their faces and wept, and the flame in the lamp burnt brighter and brighter. End of Yacht Sight for Mother by S. Libin.